Hi, this is Meredith. And this is Kristen, and we'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. Yes, and it is October. I always get a great energy in the fall and just feel like I should start a new journal or something. <laughs> well, I hear you, Meredith. This is, and we have had the most beautiful last couple of days and it finally feels feels like fall at night it gets so nice and cold and yes yes days have been crisp and sunny which has been really fun yes and that's so been really really lovely and I'm trying to do some garden cleanup but there's always so much to do <laughs> yes and like you I I do get a little bit more sort of writing energy there's something about being able you know to be outside and having there's just it it feels refreshing yes. fall refreshes and so I feel refreshed about my work as well yes. that's great that's great <laughs> where speaking of where are things with you and your work and your writing Right. So I um, I don't know what draft I'm on because you know what, if I counted, I would probably become severely depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I have most of my scenes um, written out. I've had a couple ideas come to mind for the end, which is always good to flesh that out a little bit more. Right now, I think I'm trying to make sure that each of my characters have a really, a really um, solid arc to them. So things aren't happening randomly. They aren't suddenly out of the blue deciding to do X just because I need them to do that in the story, that there's some kind of build up to it. Um, uh, so that's a little bit where I am. I had to step away and say, okay. I lived through the 70s, but let me be realistic. I've picked a year, I've picked a calendar, part in the calendar, what's really going on in the world, um, what really were the fashions like? And um, that's a lot, been a lot of fun. I, I don't usually like to do research just because I feel like it makes you do things that I feel like are very artificial for the story, which is to like then have to say that someone's wearing a leisure suit <laughs> or something <laughs> just to, to make it feel like it's the 70s. But I was really shocked. It was so, so it's 1975. Um, we have just gotten out of Vietnam in April and now it's the fall, which is important because one of my characters is a Vietnam vet. Mm -hmm. um, Nixon was replaced by Ford so Ford is currently president it's not a election year it's not the bicentennial but I had kind of imagined you know I think it's interesting in your imagination but I found that disco was really a big thing that year so oh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me yeah I would have put it a little bit later yeah but, and um, yeah. so that was important to know sort of what what are the songs playing what are people wearing what's kind of happening in the world there's a really big recession um uh -huh. yeah and but, people were driving little cars then right we were uh, is that when we like for a while we were like really aware of fuel economy and efficiency and people wanted little cars wasn't that in the 70s and then we sort of lost that yeah maybe Maybe some I'm of revealing that. my ignorance of art. Right, and I, I just feel like it's it's just interesting to see. You know, I could probably say what are the most popular cars or something. 
But, you know, I think a lot of times people drive what they have, you know, they don't necessarily buy something new. You end up with a lot of old cars or whatever. Yeah, I think we were still in the Plymouth Furies in my household. It's great big four-door sedans with optional seat belts. Yes. yes. I don't think anybody had a seat belt. It was sort of like a string. Yeah. It was your mom's arm. Your mom's arm coming out. every now and then. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, you know, that's just, it's just been interesting to sort of walk through what's going on. I, I, I didn't realize that New York City and, you know, Detroit were both sort of, you know, in such decline at that point, you know, and that there was a lot of crime and that kind of thing. And mine is not set in either of those cities, but I think that sort of would affect my characters who are very much dreaming of leaving the small town that they're in. Um, The question is kind of where would you dream of going if people are, you know, fleeing to the suburbs? So that was interesting. So it gave me more issues to solve. How is your writing going? Well, my writing is going all right. I um, also am in editing stage, and um, I have been trying to... So there's this moment at the very end of my story that has in which my protagonist undertakes a kind of symbolic, and it's supposed to be a large gesture, right? And And I want it to have great emotional impact. But I realized that I hadn't really set up enough of the circumstances ahead of time that would give it that. I, so I, I spent some time sitting and asking myself, what has to happen to give this more, even more emotional punch? What has to happen or how do we have to think as readers ahead of this moment in order for it to have that grand gesture um, effect? And I think I, f- I think I found it. I think I found it. Um, but it reminded me. It reminds me of a wonderful bit of wisdom I heard from a writer friend, Meg Medina, um, last night. She's talked about imagining all the things. So as a kind of exercise, what are all the things that could happen um, to a character? As a, you know, just wild imagination exercise. Think of all the things that could happen. And then sort of what has the most emotional punch and what, and also what is the most challenging for you as a writer to explore because of the ways that it pushes you. And I really have a trouble with that latter part. I um, would rather imagine other people's lives than look very closely at my own. <laughs> so, um, but I but I think that that can be a really useful exercise in deepening the emotional punch of um, the story and enriching your the profile of the character. So right. I'm going to try to try that a little bit. Yeah. Right. I think that um, we've talked about this before, but the but the but the issue that a lot of us have when we write characters is that we get to know them and we kind of like them. Yeah. And then we kind of start protecting them. Yes. When we should be doing exactly the opposite. When we should just be torturing the heck out of them because that makes way better drama. So I think that's one of the many strengths of our guest, the Michael Cordell, who will be joining us. Um, in conversation is 
excels at putting his characters in challenging almost or always impossible situations so well michael like myself started with screenwriting that's right and um and i think that that's great training for character and story in terms of having to drill down bare minimum and i believe you took a class of his at one point i did a screenwriting class yes He's just published a couple of novels. I shouldn't say just published a couple. He published uh, the novel Contempt, I want to say last year. Let me double check. It was the pandemic. It could have been any time in the... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is an Amazon Kindle top 10 legal thriller. It has just jumped jump the charts he's doing wonderfully with it it's it's an engaging read boy i read it i think all in one sitting it um grabbed me and did not let go and just a couple of days ago he has released his second novel our trespasses which is a paranormal thriller i haven't read it yet i'm eager to um but yeah so michael has background like you and like I a little bit in screenwriting. He has worn many hats, but as far as writing goes, he's had some wonderful success with screenwriting and um, and taught, yeah, University of Virginia. And um, I met him and took a class that he taught at our local writer house, which was so much fun. And um, so I'm super eager to get him on the line. Great, well, let's call him up. Hey. How are you? Great. Thank you for joining us. It's great to see you. I feel like it's been years. (laughs) It probably has been. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, you guys were crossing paths of screenwriting world back in the days. Well, I actually have a funny story about Michael, and I and I, but the timing is going to be odd on this. But I moved to Charlottesville, and I think. I think this was the first class that I taught. I think I taught a screenwriting class with my very first class at Writer House. And I I really did move here like on January 3rd or something. Or maybe it was it was after it was after July 4th. And then I really I started teaching like 2 days later. But as soon as the schedule at Writer House came out and Michael saw that I was teaching screenwriting, you emailed me right away. Oh. And they were like, hi, I teach screenwriting at UVA, and what are you, who are you, and what are you doing? And that was very, it was very friendly, and it was really well, nice. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a Nebraskan at heart, so yes. you know, we're very friendly. Very friendly. It was a <laughs> very... Like you didn't cook a hot dish. <laughs> I, I, actually, I just hoped maybe you had some good screenwriting ideas I could steal. So. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sorry, but you had all the ideas, so no, no, I didn't have any. But... Um, but it was very, it was really cool. And then we eventually both taught at UVA in continuing ed. And I taught mystery writing and novel writing. And you taught screenwriting. Yeah. And Kristen took your class and she was talking about that as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. She it did. Was so much fun. So it was much a great fun. group. That was a great group that year. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I loved the fellow students, but Michael just made it made it super fun and also every class was just jam-packed with information so you're scribbling away taking notes on um, technique and all the rest and then um, inspired to get home and get cranking on your own pieces so yeah it was it was really great so 
really fun. But now, Michael, you've been writing these novels, and oh my gosh, I read Contempt, loved it. I can't wait to read Our Trespasses. Thank you. Um, yeah, but will you tell us first a little bit about how you came to writing? Um, gosh, I, I, probably like most writers, I think it was back when I was little, uh, I think I wrote a poem in the fourth grade and my teacher read it aloud. Uh, no. It was about, about pollution. I came out strongly against pollution in fourth grade. <laughs> uh, and my teacher suggested that we send it to like weekly reader or whatever. And so uh, I, from then on, I, I wrote. In fact, I, I wrote to her probably, I don't know whether it's my first screenplay or the first book came out, but I sent her a note and said, I just wanted you to know you were the first person to compliment my writing. Um, and then I wrote in, in high school and short stories. And then when I went to the University of Nebraska, uh, I took a playwriting class uh, and had a play that was put on. And that was a cool experience to see people on a stage saying things I had written. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had to decide I was either going to go get a master's in playwriting or a master's in healthcare administration. Uh, and I decided I wanted to eat. So I went to the healthcare route. Uh, but I figured, you know, if you're gonna write, you're gonna write regardless of what you do for a living. So uh, it, it worked out fine. If I, had a, if I had a penny for every friend of my mother's who said, what's the fallback plan? Has <laughs> she considered teaching full time? <laughs> <laughs> I would be very rich today, but <laughs> um, so so you. When did you move from sort of playwriting to screenwriting as a focus? Uh, pr pretty much after I got out of out of school. I just I've always loved movies. I, I liked I liked writing. I liked movies, and I was kind of puttering around with it and and kind of writing screenplays and and not taking it really seriously. And I just decided, you know what just try to commit to this and so i gave myself a goal of selling my first screenplay i think it was six years i gave myself a goal and i think i got it in seven years uh but but it, but you, you i see that a lot when you read interviews with screenwriters and stuff it's always four or five or six years and, and the people that take my screenwriting class i always tell them one reason i think i had just a, a modicum of success is I outlasted a lot of other people. You know, people will, will write a story and then nothing happens and they quit, or they write one script and nobody, you know, buys it and so they give up. And I, I was in it for the long haul, um, and so I just I just kind of committed to that and I loved it. It worked out well. I kind of went through a series of agents and managers and ended up selling three scripts and one was made into a pretty pretty bad movie starring Harvey Keitel. So it was still cool to see Harvey Keitel saying some things I had written. Uh, but it was it was great. I got to go out to LA every year or so and it just I, I enjoyed it very much. So did you ever live in LA? You didn't, right? I didn't. I kinda I kinda thought about it, but I, I just I didn't. I think that's more needed if you're in TV and maybe not even as much nowadays. But but screenwriting, I just think if you've got a good idea, and I think one thing, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I say it, so I'll pretend it's true. Uh, I think one of the things that helped me was just not being in the city where everybody is sharing their ideas. and You know what's hot, and you know what the trend is, and you know what people are looking for. Instead, I was kind of removed from that, and instead I just wrote what I was interested in. Um, and so I think I think that that helped me. Um, yeah. You know, 
I, I, I saw a, an interview not long ago with uh, Emma Allen. She's the she's a relatively new cartoon editor at the New Yorker. That's a 33 year old woman who's who's taken over the cartoons there. And she said the advice she gives cartoonists is don't don't do a cartoon you think the New Yorker will find funny. Send a cartoon that you think is funny. And I think that's true with scripts too, or novels. You know, don't don't write what you what you think you're supposed to or what you think people will want to read. Just write what you want to read. And right. I think some that kind of worked out for me screenwriting. Yeah, some of the real breakout books are ones that break a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. That someone would say if they were actually going to say like, oh, we're going to ask for someone to write this book. They never would. They would never say like, let's have Dracula's in a mystery. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, you know, they would be like, that's a stupid idea. That, that would never work. And, you know, and but then someone does it really, really well and, you know, sells a million copies and then everyone else is doing it. So I, I think that, you know, the other funny thing I heard about L.A. one time was that at one point, three different studios all had tornado disaster movies. Yes, yes. And and there were, there was a year where I think two or three had meteor, right? Yeah. Meteors heading toward the yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joan of Arc had, was in like three different studios at one point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's one reason I kind of stepped away from it was I actually started getting, you know, on a modest scale, but I got, I started getting known by some of the studio people and my agent and manager, and it just got more into a, well, you need to be writing this and, and you gotta be focusing on this and this is now. And I found I wasn't enjoying it. It was just, I was no longer just writing stories I wanted to write. And I kind of got caught up in it. And, and I just thought, I, I don't want to do this. So I just kind of stepped away from that. And is that how you kind of uh, started focusing more on novels? Yeah, I did. there was kind of a little bit of a gap, and and then I thought, you know, I should I should try to write a novel, and it was it was different. I mean, I only knew like fifty words, which as a screenwriter, that's fine. You know, it's car explode and you know building chase whatever. So it's great for LA, but for a novel, you have to know so many more words. Uh, and I thought, well, this is going to be a challenge. Uh, and so I started, I, I tried to learn more about novel writing. And the thing that was great about it was just a nice reminder of the, of the, uh, of how uniform stories are, whether it's a screenplay or a novel or a stage play or whatever it is, there's, there's so many common elements and it just, it was, it was great to relearn that. Mm. Uh, and it was an adjustment. I mean, you guys know, uh, screenwriting is just, it's an, an, an economy of language. If yeah. you can take a sentence of eight words and get it to six, that's great. If you can get it to four, that's wonderful. And then I try writing a novel and all of my chapters were like a page because I, <laughs> I didn't, I, you know, all of my descriptions are like red kitchen or I, I, I forgot you're supposed to describe things and you can say what people are thinking and what they're feeling. It, it, it took me, it took me a little while to kind of, not have every chapter be about a paragraph long. I think my first book draft was very short. And I was like, how, how, how are you supposed to get to the 80? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. I've got 50 yeah. <laughs> thousand words. But you're right. I think, I I think often... my first novel was 70,000, I think. And that's just because I, I learned you didn't have to use the same word, you know, just once. So I could <laughs> use them over. But it was... Uh, but 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 you know some of the reviews on my books are like oh it's 
you know, it moved fast, which is good. Uh, and I could see it as a movie. It looked very like a movie. And I think that was, that was good too, but, uh, it, my books are short, you know, yeah, it's, I'm still dealing with that. So, yeah, well, it's hard. You know, people will say to me, Oh, you know, my first draft was 150,000 words and I had to cut it down and I go, God. <laughs> yeah, my my first novel, I had to add words. Yeah, uh, I did. Too. Because I mean, I took things out as well. You tighten and, and tighten and stuff, but it's okay too. I mean, I don't. I also just I'm I'm very interested just in the story. You know, what's the plot? What's the story? And I I don't want to add stuff just so I can have more pages, and I and I won't um, do that. So if it ends up being short, then then it's short. But yeah, I don't want to just put in fluff or something. Yeah. Yeah. Do you start with an outline or do you write? Oh, yeah. Months? Yeah. It's very, very detailed. I mean, I know I know exactly what happens and, and all that sort of stuff. I just, uh, I, 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 so I've written a, a, my first novel, second novel just came out. I'm trying to write a sequel to the first novel and I'm having more trouble with that one, plotting it out. I feel like it's kind of falling apart, but. And, and I know, and, and you know, obviously, I mean, you guys know as well as anyway, there's there's not a right way to do it. It's just, it's kind of what works for me. And I know some people will say, well, but when you when you don't know where it's going, you can surprise yourself. <laughs> I, I, I surprise myself with the outline. I yeah. mean, my, my movie that got made was going to be a comedy and it ended up being an action thriller about a child being kidnapped. I wasn't that but that came as I was developing the story idea. I was still, it still took me in a surprising way. It just wasn't in the actual writing of the script, but it was still in the outline. Do you abandon your outline at different times? As I'm writing it or just, do I just say, this isn't working, I'm gonna try something, something different? different. Uh, no, uh, not, not, I haven't yet. The one, the one I'm working on now is, is the first time I really have just kind of run into a wall i'm actually wondering if it's if it's two different books it's like a sequel and and son of sequel or something but trilogies uh, aren't big yeah well yeah yeah and, and i think i don't know it's just it's it's a different experience for me because i'm, I'm so i'm so kind of plot oriented i like i like what the concept is and so now trying to write a sequel it's okay now you have these same characters now what do they do and i've got to come up with something interesting and i think i have something that that will work on this next one i just don't know about going forward again i don't want to write it just because you're supposed to write a series but if i could that's great i i watched a uh, there was a documentary uh on on daniel craig as james bond so it's kind of his tenure there yeah uh and it and it was and it was interesting but the but the producer was talking so the first movie was uh, uh casino royale i think uh and it was it was great uh and then the second movie was Quantum of Solace, and it was bad. And the producer said he thinks what happened was they focused so much on the plot, they lost sight of the story. And I think that's what I've been going through with my sequel is I've been focusing so much on the plot, I'm losing sight sometime of the of the cons of the story of the character, and I need to make sure I I, I don't get too caught up in the plot that I 
you know, yeah, the, one, the story itself suffers. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I've seen that uh, um, authors do, because, you know, I come from the mystery world, and so it's you, you, they always say, you know, what's the next part of the series? And you oh, that was a series? I had no idea. But um, <laughs> um, it's to go deeper into the character and reveal something that no one knew in the first book yeah. about the character. I think that makes sense. Yeah, and that that's, can good, be that's a, good advice. That could be a nice little hook for you because then it's sort of like someone's reading it because they really liked the first book and now they feel like they're getting something new. So maybe it's something from their past or something yeah. you know, coming and, forward. And that makes sense because to me the, the, my, the, the legal thriller about a, a lawyer who was wrongly committed for a murder he didn't commit and served five years on death row and gets himself out. And so to me the whole thing of, of interest is how does that shape him? And so it's still going to be in the second book how is he dealing with that wrongness and the bitterness and the anger and is he a different man than he was before and so those things so what happens during the story is i want it to be of interest but but the story to me is how this guy's going to evolve and whether he goes to the dark or goes to the light mm, that's really that's meaty stuff <laughs> yeah we were talking a little bit before um before we rang you up about uh your character well we were talking about the importance of not protecting your characters that is subjecting them to trials and tribulations and i noted that you certainly i mean you right out of the gate with contempt you're again your character is wrongly incarcerated and on death row no less not like yeah. just you know getting a law degree from prison but actually <laughs> Yeah, I'm supposed to be put to death. So yeah. start with a pretty uh, you've 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 subjected your character to some pretty horrible. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him oh. because I just you do you wonder about what what you know how how bitter would you be if you got out after five years and and you realize you know maybe people knew you didn't do it and and how do you move beyond that? How do you move beyond the anger and 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 the bitterness and. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll if see what happens have, in the sequel. Maybe he doesn't. Have a, I, have a, I have a legal question since I know you're also a lawyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are wrongly convicted, does that still stay on your record? I have no idea because I'm, I'm, you know, obviously not a lawyer. <laughs> that, was a that was a joke. I know you're a healthcare uh, communicator. Healthcare, healthcare minister. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I would guess it gets... Expunged? Expunged or whatever though, yeah. Look at those legal terms we're throwing around. Oh, uh, oh we're so fancy. You can use that $5 word if you want in your next book. I, I, I may. <laughs> I'm still needing more words. I'm trying to learn more words. Uh, my, one of my favorite reviews that I got, I mean, overall it's been reviewed really well. I've, I've just been really, really pleased with Amazon reviews. But my one of my favorite was a lawyer who said, if the author was a lawyer, he should be disbarred for being an idiot. <laughs> so so I, I, I wrote back, I sent him a note back saying, I'm not a lawyer, I'm just an idiot. So, uh, but I thought, what a, what a great, what a great review. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good spirit you have. I actually just got an email from a fellow in Australia who sent me 10 pages single spaced of what's wrong with my latest nonfiction book. <laughs> He, it's in different colors so there's his oh. statement is blue or sad anyway yeah yeah and I oh, very nice I, I confess I have not had 
the bandwidth to read those pages yet. I hope he's not <laughs> listening to the podcast because then we can get all sorts of. <laughs> Michael and I are going to get letter. involved in this scandal of this letter. <laughs> Well, I, I know in my, in my screenwriting class, I always tell my students, you know, if you're writing, like I, you know, if you're writing about a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, if the audience is full of lawyers or accountants or doctors, they're all going to be just shaking their head. Yeah. But the majority of the people that, that you're just writing for, they're going to go along for the ride. They watch, you know, the people. They watch Grey's the Anatomy say, and um, yes. watch whatever the legal show is on TV, which is always ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one, one guy said to me, oh, a guard in a courtroom with a gun. First of all, he wouldn't have a gun. And if he would, it wouldn't be that caliber. I don't care. <laughs> I It's not a documentary. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's a fiction. story. It's know? fiction. Well, I think the two, the two things I heard that you get the most letters about in fiction are types of guns. Or, this is just mysteries. Types of guns and places. Oh, Okay. So I made up a lot of places, even though I had a, a neighborhood. And then I had a character that knew nothing about guns. So when someone pulled out a gun, it was just a gun. It was, she wasn't saying like, oh, that's a this caliber and it's a automatic. <laughs> she didn't know. That's how I got around it. It's a little gun. It's a little gun. It's a gun. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, my, my book takes place in L.A. And so I, I'm going to have somebody that lives there that's going to look through a couple things like there's a i think it's called the twin towers correctional center which is a very large jail but i want to know do people call it the twin towers correctional center do they just call it the towers so i'll send them those kind of questions to say what actually people refer to these the mall is it really the west gate mall or is it whatever yeah Yeah, you can those are the things that i think hit you the most because people write so many stories set in new york who do not live in new york yeah and uh also dc and Hmm. so and i've lived both of those places and so i find it always a little bit jarring you can always tell when it's somebody from california because they're like they took the 95. (laughs) 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 that's just a west coast thing we don't actually put the in front of all of our highways here (laughs) yeah yeah if i'd known the book was going to be moderately popular i would have set it somewhere else and maybe had him do something else for a living that I could actually write about. But uh. Well, it is really fun. Can you tell us a little bit about the, writing the paranormal thriller, Our Trespasses? Uh, that was, I, I enjoyed that. Again, I, to me, the, the funny thing is, I don't read a lot of legal thrillers. I, I certainly have read some uh, and I've enjoyed them, but I just, I don't read many of them and I don't read much paranormal thrillers either i don't read many of them but i do like the story that i'm writing and so again it was uh and and i'm not sure it'll be interesting to see with the reviews whether people think it was it suspenseful was it stupid because i'm I'm more interested i think in the characters and the relationships uh and the idea of family and guilt and forgiveness uh rather than all the scary stuff although although i enjoyed writing that as well but to me it really was just kind of the story interested me and the characters interested me more than just the fact that it was a a paranormal thing so i don't know if people that really love those things are going to be kind of disappointed and say what's he trying to do write something fancy um or not maybe it's a nice balance so yeah i suspect that they're 
they like those because of this what you call the story you know where the the emotional heart and the connections between characters that are enough like us even if they're not all human to be relatable and i yeah. bet they're they're gonna love it i am eager to read it and well, how can people get a hold of it it's it's uh it's on amazon barnes and noble and target and walmart and powell books and places like that to Awesome. Um, yeah. Yay. Awesome. So, and that one came out? Uh, just last Friday, October just 15th. Just last Friday. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, so, so you're, one of the, that, you're one of the writers that actually spent your pandemic working away. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> although I, it was, it, it, it looks like I'm kind of prolific because one was published in July of 2020 and now I have another one out. But I've been working on this second one for quite a while before the first one ever got picked up. So... It'll be interesting once the publishing catches up how quickly I can write through them. I try to write now, you know, every weekday for two and a half, three hours and, and more often than not I'm able to do that. So that's made that's made a big difference. So that's um, great. so but I've gone from, you know, assuming everyone's gonna hate the first book to now thinking, Well, that went well, so now I'll just assume they hate the second book. Oh, and then, then I'll move on to the third book and assume the same thing. <laughs> I like how you make the stakes really low. That's that's a good strategy. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate it, so I might as well just write what I want to write. Exactly. The thing yeah. is, we love it. So I recommend to whoever is listening that you look up Michael Cordell's novels and get a hold of one or both of them as soon as you can. We've, I've so enjoyed Contempt, and I'm eager to read Our Trespasses. Well, it's so interested fun, to hear what you think. So fun to visit with you, Michael. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. My Thanks. pleasure. Awesome. Yes, yeah, and so great to see you. And hopefully, we'll be doing writerly things in person before too long. And Get to hang That'd out. Be great. That'd yeah. be great. I'd like to do that. Awesome. <laughs> well, that was really great to catch up with Michael. I really haven't seen him in maybe three years. Yeah. Well, pandemic too. Yep. We don't. We don't get to see folks as much, but so much fun to hear a bit more about his writing. I mean, that was so substantive. Um, what he shared. I realized that I wish, so I know we kept it on the shorter end tonight, um, wished I had asked him a little more about how he was using the word story, because I noticed that he distinguished between plot and story. That story, from what I gathered, he thinks of in terms that are really character-centered. And I like that. I want to remember that myself, that the power of story I think really is the, the connection we make to characters. The plot, of course, reveals more of the character and is um, tangles us in, you know, wondering what happens next and so on and so forth. But the story, the actual story is what is going on with that character and how the character evolves. I also almost brought it up, but then I thought this is, let's keep a focus on his book. But um, one of the things I had read sort of about the way literature is evolving is that it is becoming more um, movie um, influenced so that, so that people are writing quicker, faster, 
you know, the, the way that, that sort of the movies and I guess TV, you know, influence. You mean that the pacing of the... The pacing the and the, the language getting, you know. So, you know, it, it is an interesting process because you think obviously a lot of movies are made out of books, but then it's like people are writing the books sort of to be ready for the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I, I just think it's an interesting process. It's really, as we've talked before, it's it's interesting to write in various other genres, I guess you would call it, you know, whether it's nonfiction or whether it's a screenplay or whether it's poetry uh-huh. and then going back to the novel because they do sort of, it does feed, that energy feeds off, you know. Yes. And you sort of get, you know, you get maybe a better grounding in plot from writing a screenplay and then oh. language from writing poetry and, you know. Oh. And it's always... Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. It's always good to let yourself wander from, you know, genre to genre a little bit. Yeah. Makes the writing stronger. So, yeah. yeah, I can see how that would be the case. I know for me in this last year, calendar year, starting January 1st, the exercise of writing a haiku a day has helped just kind of grease the wheels. I don't know how much it's informing the novel at this point revision, but um, just having that one writing task, which is so manageable to write a haiku, is um, a nice way for me to start my writing work day. Yes. Um, That's also been really helpful to have the different kinds of writing and the stakes are so low, of course, for that. I listened to this wonderful happiness podcast and um, she was reflecting on an author um, who wrote the Book of Delights. Um, His first name is Ross. Spacing on his last name. Sorry. Um, He... And so she, she wrote a delight every day as her writing oh. exercise. And I thought, that's a great exercise because I've heard of gratitude journals, but sometimes yes. that feels a little like false. Like, what are you still grateful for? You know, <laughs> yeah. so grateful Do for all the same thing. 365 of them. <laughs> but so anyway, that kind of stuck with me. And then today I was driving and a truck passed me and it was filled with pumpkins. But oh. the boxes all said watermelons. <laughs> and I said, "That's delightful." If that was, if I had, were keeping a book of delights today, that would be my delightful thing of just those aren't watermelons, and they were the very <laughs> bumpy pumpkins that are really fun to look at. So, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Maybe I could write a haiku out of that. <laughs> oh, totally, that is very haiku worthy. <laughs> Well, it was great to catch up with you and um, excited to see what we come up with for November. <laughs> Me too. It's ever an exciting, um, un, un, what is it, revealing. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll have a wonderful guest, I'm sure, and hopefully we'll have made great progress on our editing. Um, yes. Because as you know, when you're editing, that's when you long to be in first draft mode. <laughs> so true. Oh my gosh, I wish I were starting another book altogether. <laughs> the grass is always greener. <laughs> it's so true, so true. But on we go, and 
Um, it's, it's a privilege to be able to work in the world of words. It is. It is. And I will see you next month. Sounds great. Take care, Meredith. Bye, Kristen.